Good morning, everyone. This is Austin Jardine. Welcome to the Vanguard Project. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you tuning in for the first time, this podcast focuses on sharing people's stories in the effort of understanding who they are, what it's taken to get where they're at, and hopefully relating to you in a way that motivates you to get after something you love. In addition to this, my hope is to share with you causes and nonprofits to raise awareness and help grow a community of support. With that being said, today is one of those days where we get to deep dive into a nonprofit. And on the phone with me is Gia Verratti. CEO of the National Warrior Foundation. Again, my hope with this conversation is to raise awareness and drive further involvement in her and her team's efforts. So Gia, first of all, thank you for joining me today. And uh, to jump right into it, do you mind just kicking it off with an introduction of yourself and uh, the National Warrior Foundation? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, it's always humbling to be asked to be a guest and share our story. So um, like you said, my name is Gianna Verratti. Gia Verratti. Um, I have been working in the nonprofit veteran side for, dang, a really long time that I don't want to say because then people will know how old I am. But we'll just say I have a son that's in the army now. And so it's that old. <laughs> um, my whole adult life, well, we'll go. My mom was a lobbyist for Vietnam veterans, and my whole entire family is somehow in one branch or the other engaged with the military and or first responder community. So with that being said, I've worked for a number of veteran nonprofits, um, some very big and some very small. And the common denominator for me that always pulls me back is that we have a system that is broken regarding mental well-being of our service members, active duty veterans and first responder community. Um, we have a system that DOD continually pulls money into or pours money into redundant programming that is only so that they can say to their constituents that they're putting money into these programs with no outcome or no tangible outcome that they can show any proof that are actually working. So last year when COVID hit, I had, we had our three, there are three of us that are founders of the organization. We had already been discussing opening um, our own foundation that is collaborative, which is the key word working in nonprofit because nonprofits are not collaborative on, on the whole. So a program that works with other nonprofits within the communities that we love and to be able to share our best practices and to work with one another when we can't provide the resource that that service member or first responder needs. Um, so I left a very large, large, large worldwide organization in March and said, I think this is the time that we, we lost seven service members in the Anchorage area alone at J-Bear, all under the age of 23 in March. Um, we were losing them at such a rapid rate that there was a pause on press that they're no longer allowed to give that information to the newspapers or the news channels when somebody's committed suicide. Um, until the end of the year when the VA does their reports. So that, that tells you that there's a rapid problem when you're putting a stop on that. Instead of talking about it openly and asking the community for their help and their resources, we're just putting it under the, the rug, so to speak, 
and pretending that it's not happening or behind closed doors. So we opened the nonprofit um, right away. We partnered with Paul Mitchell nationally as one of our programs to work with our female veteran and first responder community, which is kind of a community that we feel has been untouched and kind of gets overlooked a lot. So they are our big morale boosting program. They do, uh, we will go across the nation. We're about to do our second one in Hawaii, but we just did one in Las Vegas two weeks ago. I feel like I travel every day of my life where Paul Mitchell provides full makeovers to these incredible and deserving women. And then the Venetian hosted them for an evening out on the town. Um, just as a thank you from us and from the Venetian and Paul Mitchell to them and let them know that they're cared about. And more so, they were able to build a community of other veterans and first responders that possibly they didn't know within their local area to have this family that they can rely on if they need extra help or they just want to get together with other like-minded individuals. Okay. Wow. That is a lot of information. <laughs> no, you're good. It's all, it's all really good information, right? <clears throat> so when you, when you first started in the, uh, the nonprofit world, were you aware of the issues related to, I guess, the lack of support being uh, given and, and I guess received by the veteran community, or is that something that you started you know, easing your way into nonprofits and you're like, oh my gosh, this is genuinely an issue. No. So I had gotten married to a paratrooper and instantly became this squad unit team mom. Um, our house, kind of like my house growing up was always full of Vietnam veterans. It became our house. Um, and very quickly, I learned that there were a lot of issues that were not being addressed. And as a politician's child, I was not afraid to speak my mind about them. <laughs> um, so I didn't know that that was not the way that things are supposed to be done in the military because I, even though my father was in, he was out before I got, I was old enough to understand that. So on the civilian political side, when there's an issue, you go confront that issue head on, you have an eloquent conversation, you look for a solution. That is definitely not the way that it works in the military. And I've had to adjust my sales for that. But as I got further on into my marriage, probably five years into my marriage, we were, so now we're at past 9-11. Um, we are seeing a lot of, not necessarily suicidal ideations at that point, but we were seeing a lot of mental struggles. I don't think that anybody at that point prior to that thought that they were going to go into a war of this magnitude. And so not having been prepared um, mentally or being able to have that conversation with your family about what that struggle is gonna look like coming home um, and how that communication works. Uh, we just started seeing a decline in morale through that. And so I started my first nonprofit. It wasn't really a nonprofit, we weren't sanctioned, but we started our first organization to um, help spouses learn how to have better communication with their partners when they came home and or anytime. And all the money and proceeds that we got, we just gave back to a local charity that fed homeless children. And that was my kind of my first experience on working with an organization and how that looks. And after that, I went to a National Guard organization. They had a nonprofit side of the TAGS staff. And through there, I, we honestly, I was just telling somebody else, the number two the two demographics that are hit hardest, according to the VA statistics on the last, 2019 was the last time they came out, 2020 hasn't come out yet, 18 to 34 year old, 34 year old white males, National Guard and Marines having never been deployed before. 
And so I know from the National Guard side that my general would always say, there's no SOP to how, how to deal with these service members because they're not ours all the time. So what does that look like? And so I immediately started delve, delving in on what we can do to kind of be preventative instead of reactive to mental well-being. Um, I lobbied very hard so that we could have face-to-face -face PDHRAs in the um, National Guard as opposed to a, com a computer asking you if you're feeling okay or if you have suicidal thoughts and you saying yes because you want to get your ass home to see your family, which is great. And I'm totally empathetic to that. But if you're not sitting face-to-face -face with a, another person to read your body language, that computer can't tell if you're really struggling right now. And for Alaska National Guardsmen and women, they leave that redeployment ceremony and go back home to villages. And those village elders and rural communities have no idea what, that, what they should be looking for. And even if they did, there would be no resources for them out in those communities. So that kind of was my starting point. And then it has just like domino effect since then. It's pretty much been everything I've worked with and every organization ever since then is to better educate, bring awareness, work on resources and help on a proactive way to address the needs in a plethora of ways, because there's not just one way, but how do we address those needs? What is the solution that we're all going to come together as a community to help solve and how are we going to do it okay okay so i like that that's really that's very interesting it's always fun to hear how people got to where they're at right so i am not attuned to how a nonprofit works right i'm not super aware and i imagine i could probably go get a master's in this right <laughs> is there is there a simple explanation that you know maybe for myself and whomever is listening to understand okay as we go into this conversation how, how to think about how a nonprofit works. Um, I'm, and I'm assuming that you don't mean like the legalities of it. Right, so, right. So like um, you receive aid and it gets dispersed in X, X, X way. Right, well, so there's two different ways. So you can be a nonprofit organization or you can be a foundation. Okay. We are a nonprofit organization with foundation in our title. If you're a foundation, you have to give, I, I can't remember the exact percentage, but you have to give so much back of your donor dollars. If you're a nonprofit organization, like we are, our money goes into programs. Okay. Um, so the person I was talking to right before you, they do an equine therapy-based program. We're looking to partner with other programs that we can maybe, because I'm in Alaska and we're, our board's spread out, that we can actually pay for the service members to go to those programs if need be, and build those communities up in, so we're in Texas, Fayetteville, LA, San Diego, we'll be in Hawaii, Las Vegas right now. So building those communities, and that's where we invest our money into the programs and the people. We're an all volunteer base, as opposed to giving our money to other foundations. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you. Okay. So starting then on the National Warrior Foundation side, do you mind talking about how you guys started and what your mission is there? Yes, Absolutely. So our mission is to empower and strengthen our nation's heroes. So that my, my brother is a former undercover police officer in Las Vegas, which I don't understand because he's a six foot seven bald white guy. Sometimes those guys blend in the best though. <laughs> well, that's what he said. He's like crackheads can't even tell. They don't know. That <laughs> um, but listening to his stories and my former spouse when he got out of the army became a police officer 
that was kind of an area that I, you know, although you grow up being respectful to first responders, I don't think that I really understood the similarities between the military population active and veteran and the traumas that first responders go through. Um, I literally had a conversation. I went to teach a um, suicide awareness class at a fire station one time. And I am not, I'm an educated woman. So don't think I'm ignorant when I say this, but I don't, I had never met a firefighter before. And I didn't necessarily think that they got kittens out of the trees like the book said. However, I thought they got kittens out of a trees and put out fires, right? My <laughs> former spouse was a cop. And so he didn't, you know, there's always that little mm-hmm. ink between yep. them. So I just didn't know. And so the gentleman that I was talking to, he pulled me aside after the class and he said, um, last night I had to go to a call and I already knew that it was two people that had overdosed in this jacuzzi. And he said, and at that point, like they're adults. And he, he said, I've seen enough of that, that it, it, that part didn't affect me. But when I got there, I had to pull their five day old baby out of the bottom of the pool. And he just started crying and something hit me at that moment that I knew that all of the efforts and where my heart was with the veteran community, this was also a community that doesn't have, they don't even get the money to have the support that the military pours money into these programs that don't work at all. But they have like a chaplain at the firehouse or a chaplain at one of the substations, but they don't have actual programming to help them through these traumas. So leaving my former organization, I, I had felt that their mission did not align with the mental health. And that was so important to me that I knew that there was a better way to do things than what they're doing. And if all of us within the community say that our mission is to be there for your brothers and sisters and to be there for the community, then we all need to walk that walk. And we're not walking that walk. And so I sat, called my best two best friends and I was like, here's the deal, I quit today and this is what we're doing. And they, of course, <laughs> they came right along and it wasn't even a hesitation. And so um, we really immediately started connecting with, well, I had already had a laundry list of organizations that I'd been working with, um, especially within the Ranger community. I've done a plethora of work there um, and just hitting hard, like what can we do better that's unique amongst itself that other people are not doing and how can we align and bring the whole community under one umbrella to say, look, Austin, I have a person that needs some extra help. And really what they find de-stressing is like gardening. Is there a nonprofit that focuses on gardening for veterans? Which there is, multiple of them. And so making sure that we all had this united front for the mission that we all say that we're doing. So that's really where we do morale-based programming. We do proactive resourcing um, and then Obviously, we just talked about doing the the podcast that we're putting out so that we can bring all of these people together. And then if those programs need to be funded on our side, sending first responders. So we were working a lot with Heroic Hearts and sending um, people down to um, their program in Mexico through the psychedelic journeys. Those are $1,500 to $4,000 per person. And so if they don't have donor dollars to cover that, is there an opportunity that we can come in and say, we have some people that need to go and we'll be happy to foot that bill for them because it's it's going to be the right treatment for them. Okay. So do you guys act more as the, uh, obviously in part uh, the financier of some of it, but also the, li- the liaison between an individual and organization? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, our programming started with um, morale-based programming because I, I truly believe that sometimes when someone's having a moment, right, it's a moment that you can get over. At times, maybe what you need to know is that you're important and that you matter. And so like taking these women out on these events, they, it was important to us that they knew that somebody cared about them and they're not unforgotten in this situation. And there was a white paper that came out of JBLM, um, I wanna say two or three years ago, and they were having numerous suicides. And the, so the Colonel and the chaplain sat down and they were like, we need to figure out what the, what the bottom line is here. And so what they concluded after multiple studies of suicidal ideations is that most suicidal ideations or depressive thoughts happen when you don't feel like you're important to either side of a transition. So whether that's going from an old unit to a new unit, you're being let go and then forgotten from that unit and the new unit hasn't picked you up so you don't feel camaraderie there yet, or you're going through a divorce, right? Or you're moving, like whatever the case may be, you don't feel like you matter in the, in the equation. And so that's how we actually picked our, our um, mantra of you matter. It's important for us that when we do these morale-based programs that you know that we care and you, are, you have open access to us. My phone number's out there. The other founders' phone numbers are out there. We want you to call and ask us questions. We want to hunt down what is going to be the best resource for you because maybe you need something more in-depth than morale-based programming. Okay. So when it comes to either, and I might have two questions out of this, so I'll start with maybe the first one. When it comes to selecting a program to direct somebody to, you've referenced, you know, white papers and, and other resources. How do you determine what an appropriate program is to send somebody to? Is there some sort of like, I hate to say application process, but an application process to, I guess, pair somebody up? No, no. I never even actually thought about an application process. And I think that <laughs> our... Uh, Really for us, I am determined that we're going to stay small and that we'll never be a corporation type program. And so for us, it is a concierge type service. So you call in, you call in to any one of us that will pick up the phone and then we have a conversation. We have a conversation about what that, what that struggle looks like in front of you right now, what types of things you enjoy, right? Like it's about getting to know the person and the human behind the struggle. And so out of those conversations, you get to find out like, man, I really love riding horses. And some of the best times I've had in my life, I was out doing a trail ride or whatever, right? Perfect. That's great information for me to know because maybe the direction is we get you out on a trail ride. Maybe the direction is we take you out on a horse a horse and do a bear hunt with you or you know like there's so many different amazing equine therapy programs but it, i think it really just is in asking the questions and coming from a place of curiosity okay so you're talking about feelings in that instance more or less right feelings emotions things that you love that's a very difficult thing i think for some people to and i kind of speak about myself right at one point i had a very hard time talking emotions thoughts feelings whatever um how do you feel that you guys are able to approach people that have issues with that in order to say hey no judgment here to help open up talk to me like a person that that's a great question and so i'll answer that in twofold one it is hard to be a woman in a male-dominated industry and have credibility but also it's great to be a woman in this industry because 
men that are strong and have this self-perceived alpha attitude that they don't want to let anybody in will soften down around a woman. And so, and it just is the way it is, right? It's probably the best portion about being a, a woman here because they're more apt to tell a female their struggle than to tell their male counterpart. And so I have, there's only been one, and that was actually this week that I feel like it's going to take a little bit longer to get to the bottom of it, but that's okay. Right? Like I have time and I have two ears to listen and I'll listen all day long. Um, so we, we just ask the questions and I think that it's becoming more and more common for men to understand that it's almost being vulnerable is now taking an upward trend and being like, it's okay. I can ask, like, I, like we were talking about, like some of the, literally the baddest ass dudes I know, which I know some badass dudes are really strongly advocating for therapy and other resources and saying like, look, I have tried to commit suicide multiple times and these are the things that helped me. And so also having those guys align with us and speak their stories um, has helped other people say like, man, I struggle too. And because that guy was open enough with his story, I think I'm ready to get help. Okay. Yeah. That's it's, I, like we were talking before, I'm slowly coming to my own right and being able to talk about like the advocation for, for therapy and help and all of these things. So I, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm an advocate for talking about it, even when it sucks, because you get, when you get to the bottom of it, right. You're like, man, I wish I would have known how to talk about this 10 years ago, because I would have been so much more comfortable than I am now. Yeah. Okay. So the next part of my question then would be knowing all of these things, right? Having put in this research and, and having these conversations with people that are struggling, that, that are looking to find help. Um, if you can't find a program out there, one doesn't exist. Are you guys also acting as people that might kick off a new program to help start or to start a program to kick somebody in the right direction? Hmm. And I doubt that there's one out there that doesn't exist. So, so, and the other two founders are probably going to like spit their coffee out when I answer. This. <laughs> I am always the person that, well, I don't sleep one and two, I always believe that there's something we should be moving on. Right. So you have to stay innovative, especially when it comes to resources regarding mental health. There's always a new way to do things. There's a new approach, every approach doesn't work for some person. So I'm not saying no to that. What I'm saying is if there is a situation like that, that I can't find, which would be odd, I would be open as long as we had the funding in place or the sponsors in place to help build that program um, out because I don't want there to be a stone left unturned. And I think coming on the tailwind of this war and understanding that there will be another war. I mean, every generation has one, which I didn't know growing up. I grew up incredibly sheltered. And when 9-11 happened, I like I didn't move away from the news for six months. I was so shocked that something like that could happen in America. So I think with this new, this new generation that comes out, there will need to be new programming. Their stressors will be different stressors than the dealing, what we're dealing with now. There will be a new Agent Orange, a new toxic exposure. There will be new things that we'll need to address. Okay. So yes, I say yes. <laughs> and they'll go along with me. All right. I hope I didn't just get you in trouble for asking that question. You can't get me in trouble. 
<laughs> um, so we've talked a lot about the mental health and the morale side. Again, maybe two more questions. I keep thinking of like, oh, I have, I have questions. Um, is there, do you guys only focus on the mental health and morale side or are there like qualifications for somebody to reach out to you or is it to anybody that's like, Hey, I might have issues. I have no idea what they are. I still want to talk to you. Yep. It doesn't matter if you are a veteran, if you are active duty veteran or first responders, and we include dispatchers in that in first responders as well, any of those, it doesn't matter whether you're struggling right now or you've never struggled or you never will struggle. If you want to be around your community or a community of like-minded people, we want, we want to hear from you because we want to build those, those chapters, so to speak, and those communities all over so that if for some off chance, and we don't want it to happen, but there could be a day that you are struggling, you have this community to reach out to. So we're, we're open to anybody that's within those communities. And honestly, if anybody reached out to me ever, whether you are in those communities or not, I would still talk and try to help. Okay. Okay. So somebody, let's say, you know, we've talked about how people that are struggling want to get involved. Let's say there's somebody that calls in and say, Hey, I want to be a part of what you're doing and help out. Um, are you looking for more volunteers? You said you're entirely volunteer based donations. How are you guys staying operational? We're, we're always looking for donations because you can't function without sponsored donor dollars. And because of my background, I'm a good talker with these big companies. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of stuff donated. I mean, this Paul Mitchell deal was like flabbergasted, even to me, but I, they're amazing. I'm so impressed and happy to be in a partnership with them. Um, we are definitely looking for volunteers. Um, we are looking for people who want to. So we really believe in strong body, strong mind. And whether you have pushed that trauma or bad day down all the way at the bottom, like we want to help you work it out, whether that is out dirt biking or riding or whatever that looks like, we want you to be active and engaged. So we're looking for people all over the nation. If, if somebody wants to reach out to us and help maybe start a chapter in their local community, no matter how big or small it is, it doesn't matter. Maybe you're the only veteran or first responder in a one stoplight town or no stoplights. I don't care. Let's talk and let's get that engaged and they can come, they can go on the website. I mean, obviously anybody can find me on social media anywhere. Um, we do have a TikTok that i <laughs> I mean, that is like a young, young person's game and I cannot figure it out. But yes, we are all, or, or maybe like my mom loves to cook. So she just makes tons and tons and tons of like chili and we bring them out to the substations and we're like, Hey, we just wanted to do a drive-by and show you some love, you know, like anybody that wants to do anything like that. And I think because of COVID people are a little bit leery of that right now and liking prepackaged stuff, but I used to do a program that was all volunteer and we called it making Mondays great again, because I'm a genius marketer. <laughs> um, but basically what we would do is just make a ton of cookies. All the volunteers would, we would bag them, put a little message of inspiration on them. And then I would go to every single unit on the installation that I happened to be at. And we would just walk in and give them to all the service members. And then it gave me a chance to connect with the commander too, to see if there was anybody that actually needed a little bit of extra help yeah. or a family that needed some extra help. And so we have that program and it just COVID has altered it a little bit, but we are, we would love to have volunteers that maybe want to do that in their local first responder community or their local installation. Okay. Uh, chapters, uh, you talked about the chapters. Can you help 
understand or help me understand what you mean chapters are you have uh, like a regional location somebody that can stop into or represent you in a certain way yeah so the regional locations in alaska so anybody yep. wants to come up they're welcome to road trip come on up. um but we are looking to build communities so to speak chapters it's such a corporate word that i didn't i wanted to use for emphasis but not use it we want to build a community of people that you volunteer maybe you go bowling once a month and that's what we pay for or you go to the movies or something, but now you have this cohesive group that you can rely on. And maybe you didn't have that before. Maybe you did. And maybe you just need an extra outlet. But building those family units that you know is there and you know is in the same city as you or is very close to you. Um, I think that that's important to have, have that available when you're struggling and, and also when you're not. Maybe, maybe the idea is just have a big barbecue every Sunday. I don't know. It's going to be different for every city. Okay. And in order to find you, right, I'll link the website, National Warrior Foundation and your Instagram. Yeah. And uh, okay. Is there anything that I missed? No, I think that's, I think I'm very long-winded and I just apologize, but, <laughs> but no, thank you so much for having us on and, you know, being interested in what we're doing. And I really appreciate that. That was the National Warrior Foundation. Thank you, Gia, for spending some time and sharing some information. Uh, I hope everyone listening learned a little bit more about the organization, morale-based programming, and the fact that you do indeed matter. Uh, if anyone out there needs a bit of guidance in life, finding community, uh, or wanting to support the cause, I encourage you to reach out and be a part of the family and helping hunt down resources for folks to make life a little bit better. Uh, with that, linked in the episode description will be the National Warrior Foundation website and contact information, as well as Gia's Instagram. Otherwise, please feel free to reach out to me with any questions, comments, suggestions, or uh, just general conversation. Uh, my email is uh, vanguardstories at gmail.com. I would love to be engaged with you all. Uh, also, hit up the store for some swag. Uh, I would love to see you all representing the show, the cause, and seeing uh, the madness that you're finding yourself, yourself in in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, beyond that, please like, subscribe, and review the show, then share it with your friends. Uh, otherwise, have a great day, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Mountain Primal Fuel Sticks are perfect for folks like you and I, constantly busy, stuck on the road, sitting at a desk between job sites, crushing Excel spreadsheets, or if you're one of the lucky ones, headed to the range or a hunting trip. They are the perfect size to keep a couple in a pack, or if you've got a wife that gets hangry, to toss her way. Admittedly, when my wife gets hangry, it's an all-hands-on-deck situation, so please use these to your advantage. They are 100% Highland Cow with zero hormones and zero antibiotics straight out of Colorado. Use code VANGUARD to get 15% off at mountainprimal.com.